Welcome to the Hillbilly and the Hipster. My name is Chad McCool and join with me as always, although we are afar now, Andy Crow. Andy, what's shaking down there in the Commonwealth? Not a lot, man. It has been a wild couple weeks. Um, you know, you, you were here. That was exciting. My family was excited to see you. Um, and then we tried to get back to normal and it has been um work dealing with the everything that's going on with mom and then football uh sadly my oldest football season came to an end yesterday uh while my youngest continues to to dominate the the flag football scene um so yeah just a lot of a lot of work and uh football the story of your life now work and football well after uh after eating my weight in mutton my last night with you there in kentucky i uh came back and got sick all last week so i've had some kind of nasty sinus thing and that's why we're i should have just stayed down there apparently coming back it made me sick look look we talked about this i believe keith and i on our on our company dinner we and then and doctor wife got doctor wife she came and in. I think did the boys get in on the hard sale? No, no, no. no I don't remember Tur- that. Turner messed up then because he was supposed to. He was supposed to hit you with the the hard sale. But uh, you know, doctor wife and San Galgano, man, they were they were all about it, trying to get you to move down here. So all uh, I remember is the the one morning, uh, I I was having coffee and I took a a mug. And I didn't know it was Mason's mug. It was your youngest mug. And he was like, make sure you don't take that. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. He went to school. <laughs> Dr. Wife got a big, she actually, I don't know if I'd call it making fun of you, but she got a big kick out of all the mugs you could have grabbed. You grabbed the skinny little Christmas mug that is, that is Mayday's. <laughs> Just made us giggle. But, uh, you know, I, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed the visit. It was something that I definitely needed. But I think one of the best parts um, was the mutton. Uh, and oh, I gosh, I haven't I, had mutton forever. And I regret not getting the mutton ribs that I could have gotten. Instead, I opted for I think chicken or something because uh, it was what it was a three meat plate, and I got I got sliced yeah. mutton, chicken, and something else. So Maybe. I'm just going to say this. Shout out Maybe to the Old ribs. Hickory in Owensboro, Kentucky. Shout out Maybe. Old Hickory. If you're in the Owensboro area, this is like, it, it's just simple, it's plain, it's cheap, and it's really good. Because, I mean, a three-meat platter mm-hmm. at a barbecue joint for under 18 bucks that's a steal. Yeah. And they have barbecue yeah. mutton. Yeah, and you can get mutton like three or four different ways, too. It's not just one one size fits all you get it three or four different ways um and i would I, I haven't tried the the ribs but now i keep trying to talk dr wife into going back so i can get those um but highly highly recommended and i recommend the banana pudding but the yeah, funny thing is that. the funny thing about mutton is when you tell people you know and, and i haven't had it for a while it's not it's not a big you don't see it much out here where i live but when you tell people they act like it's some kind of weird animal that you're eating they're like oh mutton i'm like it's just sheep it's just not a baby sheep so it's okay to eat baby sheep but mature sheep we can't 
lamb chops are all in, but you kill mama sheep. I'm like, what are you doing? And I just look at them and go, you know, it's all good. Like if it's, if it kill them all, let's eat them. But they act like you're eating some weird, like you're eating armadillo or some crap like that. Look, I have a coworker who is, um, I don't think she's full vegan, but she's definitely vegetarian because she, she is convinced that the little animals have souls and we're, we're doing them a disservice. And I keep reminding her like, God said, kill and eat. I'm going to do it. And she's like, but, and then, so she pulls up, I told her that we had mutton um, and she was convinced it was baby lamb. So I just let her think that. So she pulls up this little lamb and she's like, how, how could you, how could you do that? And I said, it's real easy. Um, You kill it and then you cook it. And with the right spices, you don't think about that, you know, six hours earlier, it was, you know, buying and running around in the, in the backyard. You just think, my God, that's good on my plate. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was not the response that she wanted. Uh, and I caught flack for it, but I was okay. I can live with that. So that last episode, when we talked, we had our potluck fantasy draft. I think we, everybody we had out. opinions on that. We, everybody we, we had opinions. We didn't pick enough carbs. And then I forgot, like, I totally hit me, like, in the in the Louisville airport on my, like, when I was boarding a plane that I didn't do my hot, my potluck hot take that stop bringing deviled eggs. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Or just the sign, the one person, 9,000 people do not need to bring every variation of deviled eggs possible. So here's the thing with me and deviled eggs. I have a, a love-hate relationship with deviled eggs. I can't eat them anymore. Um. There's a story that's behind that. I don't know that we want to get into that right now, but it's maybe maybe in another episode I can tell you that story. Um, just know it's not pretty. Uh, but here's the thing. Even paywall. when I... Yeah, paywall. Even when I ate deviled eggs, it's it's like what we said with the dressing. and other, you, you can't eat at everybody's house. Mm-hmm. So you have to know who made the deviled eggs, and you have to know when they bought the eggs. Oh yes, sir. Because if they're if they're older eggs, like older eggs, people seem to think, oh yeah, well we can still make them into devil. Devil's a hard boil, maybe fine. No, you're gonna kill somebody. Stop it. <laughs> you know, at, at my church, there's a there's a woman who makes potato salad, and I I'm I'm not gonna describe this well, but this potato salad's amazing. Although the first time I had it. It was a little, it was weird to me at first. And then I was like, oh my gosh. So they, it's homemade potato salad and it's got all the extras in it. It's great. Except that it's like eating mashed potato, potato salad. Like the potatoes are like whipped. And at first I was like, oh gosh, what did I put in my mouth? I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And so now I look for it. So I, I never knew who made this potato salad. I, I now know who, but I had some church folks come to my house for dinner um, right after we sort of had this uh, sort of like a progressive meal. We made my, I made the uh, main course and and people brought side dishes and salads and things like that. And somebody brought this dish that came to my house that I thought, Oh gosh, it's that potato salad. It's going to be awesome. And I put a scoop on my plate and I eat it. And it was basically like creamy jello salad. (laughs) It was not, the people who made it was not 
from the, it was not the potato salad, nor was that the person who makes the potato salad. And I was like, oh, this is gross. And then somebody said, well, why did you, why did you eat it? You know that that's what they bring to every potluck. And I was like, I did not know that. And now I do. And I'm going to avoid yeah. it like the plague. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you learn the hard way, man. Um, so Dr. Wife hit me early. So she got up early um, one morning and went for a walk. And I guess to relax on a walk, Dr. Wife listens to our podcast. Um, but I, I also think it's. I question her mental health. Brother. I can't I can't respond to that because nothing I say will not get me in trouble. Okay. Nothing I say will not get me in trouble. But here's well, the I'm deal. I'm just saying listening um, to this on a walk while you're trying to relax. I question. Well, I, I, I think she knew it was because we recorded together and she wanted uh, to hear the, the giddiness of our voices. Um but oh excuse me, that's fine. Um so like she comes in from the walk like a woman on a mission <laughs> and goes um two things about this episode so far because I'm not done. So I don't know if she's finished it, but it's always good because I, and I'm sure your wife is the same. And if not, I'm just going to pretend like she is, but like she'll critique what you say and how you say it. And so Dr. Wife is known for for making fun of the way I talk. Um whether accent wise or how I pronounce words. Um, and one of these days we'll have the good doctor wife on, on the show so she can spill all the beans, but until then, but she's like, uh, two things to start with. Um, one, it's not Rotel in the chili con queso. <laughs> and so I guess she uses like diced tomatoes and some form of peppers, like, I don't know, maybe banana peppers. I don't know. But don't say Secret it. Don't is, don't that's don't Rotel. say it. <laughs> and you said it. Well, no, I know it's not Rotel. It's homemade Rotel. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's it. It's still, regardless of what it is, there's no chili. It's con queso. Anyway, um, and then she looks at me and like I, I think that means it's just queso. Yes, it, con queso is with queso, which so it's chips con queso, which sounds like if you ever go to Torchy's Tacos, the hillbilly queso. And I'm here for is, all of it, which is just queso with that same stuff and like some sausage ground up in it and mixed in. And then like, God love her. Like, I know, I know she wasn't calling me fat with this next statement, but sometimes I just like to poke the bear. OK, so it's fun for me. Um, it never ends well, but it's always fun to poke the bear. And she looks at me and she goes, and if you had to choose, you, you wouldn't choose between meatballs and fried chicken. You would just take them both. <laughs> and I looked at her and I looked down and I was like, did you just call me fat? Well, no, honestly, like, no. Andy, who wouldn't? Well, no, I get it. But what I'm saying, that's what I told her. I was like, well, of course I would, because it's a potluck. You take what you want. But if I had, if I was paying for an individual plate, and I had to pick between the two, I'm gonna go meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't remember who I was eating with the other day. Who was it? But we were eating fried chicken, and they were like, "Yeah, this family is the fried chicken eatingest family that I've ever met that that is white." 
Like that they every family get to oh it was my buddy Jason. He was talking about his wife's family. It's like, you know, a lot of families their go-to for like big meals is, you know, steak or you know, something grillable, you know, something like but no their family it's just fried chicken every time. And I got to thinking, why why are we why are we upset about that? Yeah, like I'm down for that. Like I and here's the deal. I don't care if we cook it at home. I don't care if the colonel brings his original herbs and spices. Um, while I was in Nashville, I was introduced to Church's fried chicken. Church's I'm, is good. Church's, Church's is better than Popeye's. I'm going to say it. Oh, no, I'll wholeheartedly agree. Um, but the place that that's here that I found is uh, uh, Lee's. Oh, Lee's is the bomb. They have that yeah. all in East Texas. Yeah. So... I thought I was going to get little pieces of chicken like I would get at KFC, right? And so me and me and my buddy at work, we go and we're on a lunch break. And I was like, oh, I'll take uh, I'll take a three piece, you know, uh, two thighs and a leg. And, uh, you know, I'll take potato wedges and, and macaroni as my sides. And because Hicks, he got a three piece and he's smaller than I am. And I'm like, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, and then I get the tray in front of me and I realize that like I think these were like human sized chickens. And it was <laughs> They've the, got the hormones. I mean, good lord, these were the biggest pieces of chicken I've ever seen in my life. I ate one and a half and I was like, I'm gonna go get a box. And then I didn't. I ate it and I got back to work and I was like, I'm done for the day. I know that it's just now 1230. Um, but I'm gonna nap. And if something happens, let me know. <laughs> So, well, welcome to two fat guys talk about food. <laughs> yep. If you didn't know, we have changed our podcast premise. <laughs> well, Andy, you know, while I was down there, um, I, I did get to meet Keith St. Galgano Armory himself in the flesh for the first time. And we had dinner together. And so um, that was just that was a, a real highlight for that week. And I know I think we went down. Oh, I went down there particularly thinking we were going to bust out at least two or three episodes. And we did one and we just kind of just chilled and just yeah talked a lot and hung out. And it was, it no, was I thought we'd get too cathartic. Two, I don't, I don't know that we could have, cause I, I think we hit a wall. It was good. I think it was just, it was a good time just to visit and recharge and, and all that good stuff. But Andy, why don't you tell us about, that fine blacksmith merchandise. Talk about merchandise. Armory. Not apparel, but merchandise. St. Galgano Armory is the premier destination for handcrafted blacksmith merchandise. They use traditional techniques to create unique and stunning pieces, each one embedded with the spirit of St. Galgano himself. Each item is a work of art crafted with care and attention to detail. St. Galgano Armory believes that quality and authenticity are paramount. That's why they use only the finest materials and take pride in their commitment to traditional craftsmanship. The products are not only beautiful, but they're also functional. St. Galgano's Armory has you covered with almost everything. And a portion of all sales goes back into the community. So that's always a plus for us. So why settle for generic mass-produced items when you can get something hand-forged and unique and help to, to give back to the community? So you can go to their shop at saintgalganoarmory.etsy.com 
today. Browse their selection of handcrafted merchandise. And don't forget to check them out on social media at, at San Galgano. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm I'm sitting in my office right now looking at the railroad spike hooks that I have. And uh, I, I will admit, this is full disclosure. It's the best bottle opener I've ever had. I have not... I have it's a one and done every time the uh, rebar bottle opener that I have it literally is a one and done every time they which look is great. Uh, they're good it's conversation funny, pieces. Like, I never thought that I would care so much about a bottle opener until you try to use a bad one mm-hmm. and then you're just angry the whole time <laughs> and I was never that guy who could take like the bottle of coke and just open it up on like you know, a park bench or the ledge because I'm like, no, this is going to shatter in my hand and I'm going to need or, stitches. Or you got the people that just like, you, you know, they just twisted themselves and I'm like, who? who there are was you a time. A... There was a I time never, I could do that. I've never. Every time somebody does it, I just want to be like, who hurt you? There, there was a because time. Somebody, somebody has hurt you at some point in your life to where you just take your rage out on that, that <laughs> bottle. And I, I want you to know that I love you and I'll hug you if that'll help. But if as long as you don't twist my head. So, Andy, I was thinking about this. Um, so there you are sitting there in your office. Um, what would you say to uh, a young Andy? And I, and I, I have that picture in my head of a buzz cut short pants. That's an accurate picture. Circa Bobby Hill. That is about. Uh, that's the sixth grade Andy right there, if I've ever seen one. So let's take a twelve-year-old Bobby Hill-esque Andy. What would you tell young Andy, knowing what you know today? What advice? Oh, man. What, if you had to write a letter, or you know, just give some some talking points to young Andy. Um, and with this something we could both suss out. What, what would you tell young Andy? So, um, when we talked about this, and and this is going to be the episode, all I could think about, have you heard the Brad Paisley song? Where it's, if I could write a letter to me? I think so, yeah. So, I just went and listened to that song. And I was like, man, that's that's an accurate statement. Like, everything he wrote to his his younger self, like, it kind of resonates. But I think, first and foremost the best advice I would give my younger self is don't be a douche. Hmm. Um, And I say, uh, and I say that, and I just want to preface like 95% of the time, young Andy was not rude. He was a polite young man who was, he was worried about not so much getting in trouble because I, I got in trouble, but I never wanted to disappoint, but only certain people. You know, God love my mother. She could tell me she was disappointed in me, and I'd be like, cool. My <laughs> stepdad could tell me he was disappointed in me, and it was like I was getting ready to throw a congratulatory party for myself. Right? But my grandparents or my uncle tell me they're disappointed in me. My band yeah. director. My band director in high school one time, like he literally smacked me in the back of the head, drug me by the ear into his office, set me down, and he was like, Cartman? What were you thinking? And I was like, well, gee, you know, and he's like, shut up. I didn't want you to talk. And I was like, but you asked what I was thinking. <laughs> and he was like, question? 
right and i always i always had the hardest time figuring out if it was rhetorical or not and he just looked at me he's like you know you know better and i said i know i know better and he was like well i just need you to know how disappointed i am in you he goes i'm not mad and then i was like well the back of my head thinks otherwise because it still hurts um and he was like well i'm just i'm real disappointed and i mean that broke my heart yeah it's different like those those people that are important to you when they say they're disappointed especially when you're a kid or a teenager, you know, and you really trust them that that disappointed it's long lasting rather than if they just said, Hey, I'm angry at you. Cause that goes away. Right. And so like it, it got me. And so, you know, I, I think I would start off by don't being a douche because start, I was good up until sixth grade. And then we moved in with my stepdad and the bus driver picked me up and it was my stepdad's bus driver too. And she had it in her head who I was because of who my dad was. And I was like, well, if you're going to make me out to be this, this evil thing, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to make a liar out of you. And so I think I would, I would tell myself like, stop, you know, and then as, as, as boys, as young men, you know, I think we, we often should remind, you know, if I could ride like, Hey, that girl that, that broke your heart so bad, it's fine. You didn't, yeah. you didn't need her. You're not with her. You know, if you're you could dead. see where you're not dead, you if you could see, die. if you could see where you're at now, right. With the family you have, the, the career you have, the friends that you have, you're better off. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, there are those, you know, the stereotypical answers of, you know, don't be a turd and Hey, that girl isn't, isn't all for it anyway. Um, so, but those are those were the heavy ones, but I really like. I think I would tell myself to chill out, mm. and so and he, and here's why. Me, you were never around for when I was really competitive, right? Like you've seen me in in fantasy football, you've seen me in dodgeball with a youth group, um, you've seen I, me in I, youth. I, I've not seen any of those things. You've you not. You never. Me? You've heard me I, talk about fantasy. Football. I've heard you talk about fantasy football, but I've never. And it may it. maybe not dodgeball, but you've been around for youth group games, right? Correct. Yeah, I've been. Okay, around. so been it's and maybe not group. dodgeball, but like, um, competitive is not even the right word. Like, there's a whole other level, and so, um. And then on, I, I'm competitive in things that don't matter. Like, let's. If you look over my my left shoulder, you know, you'll see the tomahawk hanging on my wall for the Atlanta Braves. And I am I am way too invested in the Braves to the point that up until maybe three years ago, how they did would would inter would interfere with how my day was going. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, the way I was the way I acted in marching band because I, I wanted to be the best. Uh, the way that I acted when I played sports because I was right all the time. Um, I should probably chill out because um, what is it the Bible teaches? You know, it'll, it'll tell you, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Um, you've met my oldest. And I, I love my oldest dearly. Me and him are boys. But when I tell you that kid cannot handle losing... 
Like he makes me look like a model citizen when he when he loses. Mm. Now, if it's a, if it's a situation that he he thinks he should lose in, he's he's more okay with it. But if it's a situation um, where he thinks that his team should win, and he, you are on his team and you haven't given as much effort as he has, oh my, it's it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, and then, and then my last one, and I'll stop rambling. Um, so one of my favorite Bible verses, right? It was my grandmother's favorite Bible verse. It it quickly became one of my favorites for multiple reasons. Um, you know, Psalm forty six ten, be mm. still, just be still and know. And if you yeah. if you look at that, it's not just telling you to be still. It's uh, being blunt when I say this. Uh, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up, be quiet, sit there, and listen. And I think if I would have would have taken that verse to heart much quicker, much earlier in life, I think I would be dealing with things differently than I deal with them now. I think that maybe the the path that I'm on right now probably wouldn't be the same. Uh, the trajectory would have changed. I think I'd still be. I'm not saying I wouldn't have become a pastor. I'm not saying I wouldn't have become a PO or anything, right? But I think the trajectory of where I, how I got to where I'm going would have changed. I think there would have been a lot less hurt feelings, um, both mine and other people's. I think that that maybe I would have taken my walk with Christ a little more serious at an early age. Right. Um. I think that I would have pushed my family um, both as a younger person and my family now in a, in a, in a different direction. I think that uh, some stops along the way wouldn't have happened. Oh, absolutely. If, if that makes sense. And I, I think, you know where I'm going with that, but I'm not, I don't want to dive too deep because that's a rabbit hole. We don't have time for. Um, and this isn't the place for that rabbit hole. So, but I think if I would have taken that a little more to heart at, at a younger age, things would be a little different. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And of course, like hindsight's twenty twenty, so you know we we you think it would, and and I think that age and experience tells you that there would definitely be some differences for sure. Um, I think for me, the first thing I would do if if I had you know 12 year old chad because it'll be the it would be before i had ever heard it for the first time i i would give myself the gospel i would give myself the gospel and then remind Mm. and instill in myself the importance of faith right because i didn't grow up in a church home i mean it was really anti um and i was taught you know my stepdad a lot of things backwards things right the go and (laughs) you know, go and conquer, right? Like it is it, almost like a, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this, but like without saying it, it was like, it's okay to take advantage of people and go, go sow your seed and, and all this other stuff, right? Like conquest, like the, in that area, like sexual liaisons, I was taught at a young age that numbers were better, right? Like, don't worry about settling down, like just go and reap and conquer. Um, but I think I would tell myself the importance of faith, right? That to understand that without it, that faith is ultimately the foundation of our journey. 
because you know like the bible says that without it right it's impossible to please god and um nothing that i could have done you know and i and i lived for a good part of my teenage years and even my my early 20s with the break glass in case of emergency prayer right those barter prayers you know god i will do this i'll be good if you uh you know if you deliver me from this i'd not thought of god prior to that and and once that situation was resolved or just whatever happened with it i you know for the most part i didn't i didn't think about him much again until the until that next situation happened so i i would really instill in myself to nurture my faith to trust in the Lord's promises and remember that um, that faith isn't just the believing. And that's kind of any dabbling in Christianity I had was some light Catholicism. And it was like, well, you believe and you say these prayers every once in a while and you're good. And it, I, I would really instill myself that you need a, a daily walk with God, you know, and, oh, and absolutely. I, I, and to piggyback on you, I, I, I think that in hindsight, I could look and there would be so many things that would have been different you know, uh, potentially could have been different had I um, given my life to the Lord at a much younger age. Mm -hmm. And then I think to, to really, cause I struggled with this. It wasn't who I was wired. Um, but I had always been, you know, raised by the only male, the biggest male influence in my life. My stepfather was someone I could never, um, I could never appease. I was never really, aggressive or anything like he was i wasn't the type of man that he was so i kind of lived in fear but i would really wish that i didn't succumb to his teaching and that i resisted temptation that I, I i had the ability i would go and tell myself right and this is something that we need to live every day that temptations are going to come you know from every possible direction but to you know i i wish that somebody had given me you know so so oh, me now would give young Chad a Bible and like, let's look at the story of Joseph and not just Joseph and that amazing Technicolor dream coat, but Joseph's resistance to Potiphar's wife. Cause I was taught don't resist Potiphar's wife, right? That's a, that's a good thing if Potiphar's wife is into you. So, you know, I, I would just, I wish I'd had more guidance in overcoming sin and, and overcoming, you know, some of those desires at an earlier age in my life. Um, did you, do I get three? Oh, I didn't know we had a limit. You, you, I didn't know. You. you listed some, um, I also, I mean, like I, I would almost, I would almost like to, after this, write my younger self a letter just to see what all I would say. Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a good exercise. I don't know that I want to read it. I had to do that. Show, so, but... I had to do that for something somewhere in, Either in school or with a counselor or something like that, I had to write myself a younger letter. But it's been it's been a while. But I think the power of prayer, like I would I would really instill myself. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. Um, you know, and and just to you know, like the Bible tells us to you know to ask, to seek, and knock. Um, and I I really at a much younger age, I would have loved to have had someone instill in me to make prayer a daily habit. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and to have witnessed the, the transformative effects of daily prayer at a much earlier age, a much younger age in my life. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think even as an adult, if I'm being honest, like I still think sometimes prayer is hard. 
Oh, it, um, it's the hard. It's the, it's probably one of the hardest things to do. Because like I will, I'll and I'll be the first to admit my prayer life isn't what it should be. Um, I think we can all say that, but I'm I'm willing to admit like my prayer life isn't at all what it should be. Um, but I also think, um, like I'll lay down to go to bed at night, and I'll start praying. And I'm like, is this really all I got? This is this is how I'm gonna pray. And it's your stereotypical, like every hey, thanks for this, thanks for that. Hey, you know, I really love my family. Thanks. Hey, this is what's going on that I need. And it's the same thing I would yell at my youth group kids about. Like, are you having a one-sided conversation? Are you allowing time to response? Yeah. And, you know, and I know good and well, God's not going to be like, Andy, Andy, listen, stop doing stupid things. Like, I I get that that voice isn't going to happen. I'm not saying that it can't. Don't get me wrong. If God wanted to open the heavens and chastise me, he's going to do it. But the truth is, right, and you know this, we have the response right here. No, I'm full. Yeah, no. If we're not doing that. We don't have the response. If we're not in God's word, we're not getting the response. And I know you know that, but maybe oh. the masses in Hillbilly and Hipster Nation don't know that. But yeah, so like, you know, you go through and you don't you don't leave that time for response. And I, I am a firm believer that God responds when you pray. And you know, I- there have been multiple times that I've prayed and then all of a sudden a certain scripture is on my heart. And I... I have no doubt that that is not my brain going, oh, you remember you said that? I bet I bet if you just look at that, because I guarantee you some of the scriptures that have been put on my heart haven't been ones that I've studied well. Mm. Right? And so you 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 just do what you do, right? You you pray and then you listen. It goes back to that that psalm that I was talking about. You have to be still and know that that God is God, right? No matter how bad life is going right now, um, it's like so. Let's let's go behind the curtain a little bit. Um, I don't remember how much I told, but so my mom had a massive stroke, um, a few weeks ago, and it's it's it was bad. Uh, I think two thirds of the right side of her brain gone. I'm just going to go ahead and, 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 and lay her stuff out because she can't tell me I can't. Um, um, and so it, it was scary for, for a hot minute. We didn't quite know. Like when we get to the hospital in Nashville is, is mom going to be mom? Is mom going to know who I am? Um, I mean, good Lord, we've known each other for almost 39 years. How do you not know who I am? But it happens, right? Uh, I say almost because I'm not quite 39 yet. Check that out. Um, but, you know, cognitively, she's there. So thank God. It's it's more physical and um, and for the most part. But that's two thirds that, that we're praying. Like, how is this going to? And I was telling you beforehand, like, going to visit was hard because I know what I'm used to with my mom. And like we're joking and laughing and and goofing off because that's who we are, right? The the running joke in my family is if my mom wants to have a heartfelt conversation, 
she's gonna she's gonna call my sister. But if she needs a body moved at three o'clock in the morning, she's probably gonna call me. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we joke a lot. And so, like, there's still that joke, but it's just hard watching her as such an independent person rely so heavily on my stepdad or on me yeah. or on the nurse. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, Dr. Wife read a book yesterday as we were driving home and and the kids, they kind of slept because they were getting Turner was getting ready for his football game. So he was resting up. And uh, and I just remember driving home and just in my head, just being devastated and so upset. Mm. And then, you know, I was talking to you like I know what I need to do. Sure. Right. Uh but sometimes it's really good when when somebody will just jack slap you and be like, hey, could you shut up and listen for a second? Uh, and, and so that's what happened before the show. Like, you know, me, yeah. me and Chadwick are, are sitting here talking and I'm just going on about this and this this pity party that and I think we can all all agree that we have those. And there's I nothing think, wrong with them. No, know, they, I think and, sometimes we but need sometimes to we take it. them too far mm-hmm. and we hold on to that pity for too long and and. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's been two weeks, right? Since I think two weeks since the stroke. And so I'm not saying that I should let go of that pity party yet, but no. you know, you looked at me and we're like, Hey, maybe you should just take some time to shut up and listen. And that's not the words you used, but it might no. as well have been right. Well, listen, and, listen. and the and point it, is and right? it very well could have been with me and it wouldn't have bothered me. <laughs> no, but the point is the devil wants you, wants you to stay in that pity party. Right. No matter what your situation's in, because he just wants you to know that, well, this situation's not been resolved. God's not done what he's promised you. He's not answered you or he's done it reluctantly or half-heartedly. And so, you know, you want things to be at this level and it may get there in due time, but the devil just wants you to stay in that pity party and not praise God that, you know, in your case, that your mom's alive. And I'm not saying he's doing this to you, but, you know, they did not see the joyful facets of it. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and this talking about your mom has made me think about something that I would really have loved to instill to me at a much younger age is to have an eternal mindset. Right. To oh, stop absolutely. looking at the here and now. But to to remember that everything here is temporary, right? To stop looking at uh, what other people's uh, you know, bar of success was, and to really just focus on storing up my treasures in heaven. Absolutely. Because I don't think, even as adults, I don't think we have that mindset. I think, I think most I think, Christians don't have that mindset. But, well, that when I said adults, that's what I yeah. meant. Um, I probably should have clarified. I don't think Christians have eternal mindsets um, because I look. Um, and I'll just continue to throw myself under the bus here since a lot of people think I'm so spiritually mature. Well, um, I'm guilty of it all the time. Right. Right. So I, you know, I, I accepted Christ, uh, in, in sixth grade, right. I don't remember how old I was at sixth grade. Okay. Um, and then I really started taking it serious middle of high school, something like that. 16. Yeah. Um, I was ordained at 29, 30 ish. Maybe even later had to have been later because we had you're a little later because I don't know oh. you for ten years, right? No, I so on, I uh, I signed your ordination certificate. I yeah, mean, I was there. Sorry, so I had Turner at twenty nine. It was two thousand nineteen. 
You had just gotten the little one. So 2018, 2019, I was yeah. ordained. Um, and then here I am. And now I forgot where I was going. Oh, and so my, my grandmother died in 2016. And I cannot begin to describe to you how close I was to that woman. Um, Like I, I called her every day on my way home from work. Uh, from the time I left Kentucky to move to Iowa, uh, I didn't call her as free and not every day then because I was still in school. But it was every at least, you know, three times a week I'd call her. Were you in school? You weren't I, skipping? I, were, I was enrolled in the University of Northern Iowa. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then we moved to, to Terre Haute and I literally called her every every day when I would leave work, especially um, after Turner was born, because I had so many questions. And so we would talk from the time it took me to get from my office to either home or my office to the, the daycare slash preschool that the boys went to. And when she died, I was devastated because it was so quick. There wasn't a lot of goodbyes that could have been said. And, um, and so all that being said, like, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to see her again. Right. I I knew it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, a question of if I saw her again, it was when, because I was fully aware of where she put her hope and faith, but I couldn't stop dwelling on the fact that I could not talk to her. Mm. Right. And then, then lo and behold, seven years later, Papa gets sick. <clears throat> uh, and I, I called him every other day, right? Just I, I didn't stop calling just because she she left, um, kicked it. Uh, so then Papa dies. And here I am seven years later, you know, knowing all of we got to we got to put our treasure in heaven. We got to have an eternal mindset. I've counseled people at at funerals and after families have died and. Uh, and one-on-one -on -one sessions, like, hey, what are we doing? Why are we dwelling? And then here I am dwelling, right? And so I, I, I think as Christians, we should have that eternal mindset. But I think it's funny how quickly we turn that off when we're in the situation. We know the answers to the test. Oh, but, buddy, you put, but you put that test in front of us, and it's like, who's Jesus? Yeah. Do I know do I know him? Have we been introduced? Yeah. You know, oh, never yeah. mind never mind that, you know, when I took Spanish in college, when I was asked what I did on Sundays, I couldn't remember say how to say church on Sundays, but I could say Yeah, well, I know that now. But my <laughs> response was uh yo boy I ear un fiesta con Jesus. And my teacher just looked at me and was like I couldn't remember church, but I can definitely tell you that I party with Jesus. Okay, so like, I'm I'm the same guy that would party with Jesus, but then you put that test in front of me, and it's like, uh, I don't know him as well as I thought I did. And so, what is it that we can do to get there, to get to where we need to be? So we've we've written this letter, right? We know that faith should be should be epic whether you're you're presenting the gospel to yourself or I'm over here going hey this this verse you need to 
to hearken to it a little a little closer, right? So we've we've written the letter. We recognize, and it all comes to the same point, right? To where we need to to start putting our mindsets in an internal, not an internal, an eternal mindset, right? Which is basically what we've both said, uh, just not in those words. So how do we, how do we get there, Chad? What- well. I, while you were talking, I, I I was thinking about a verse that came to mind, and I I opened it up. But I, I think that I think the there's a there's one thing I think to get there, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I I think it's to remember that no matter what you're facing, right, no matter what trials you face, no matter how dark it is, you know there is a blessing in the battle, and that no matter what trials you face, remember. Paul's words in Romans 8, verse 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And so in some some translations are, um, you know, and I think it's the ESV or I'm sorry, the NIV says we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And so keep your faith strong. Just keep the faith, no matter how tired you are how how tiring all the events are how dark things could be just keep the faith even if it's just you know you're just throwing up a a a 35 second prayer just remain faithful i just remembered when i uh I did a radio show. We just did the radio full pod. There's no, there's dead air. Oh my gosh. People freak out. The producer be running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Dead air, dead air. There was definitely dead air there. My, my apology. I've, I've got a, I've got a sick kiddo home with me today. Uh, oh, he so he was just in my office. So uh, I'm going to have you ask that question again, because <laughs> I was informing him that he could not have a snack. <laughs> And he's standing there in defiance with a weapon in his hand. He's just standing there staring because he's trying to figure out when we're going to be done. Five minutes, Mason. Five minutes. (laughs) Um, No, I was just saying that it reminded me that no matter what trials you face, to remember Romans 8.28, right? That we know that in all things, um, God works for the good of those who love him. And just keep your faith strong, right? Just keep the faith. You know, maybe it doesn't feel strong, but... Just five minutes, just, you know, be still and know that he's God. And that even if you don't know what to pray, you know, even if you're just sitting silently at his feet, right? The spirit knows, the spirit knows what to pray for you before those prayers, before you even had an inkling of an, of an idea of what to pray on, right? The spirit knows what to pray for and is casting those up to the throne room. So um, just trust. And I think it's important to remember as well that, when you're reading Romans 8, 28, that it is not, um, not a promise that everything will be okay. Right. When, when God tells us everything will work out for the good of the Lord, for those who, who follow him and trust him and, and whatnot, um, that isn't saying that everything will be good and rosy in your life. Well, Um, right. And it's not going to work out necessarily to your expectations. Um, but I think that's where the eternal mindset comes in. Right. Cause I mean, we, we have, we have things in our lives. Um, so my Sunday school class just wrapped up a, a study of Job, 
right? And I, I think if you read Job, you can read it multiple different ways, right? Um, although they're not the correct ways. But I had somebody go, man, and reading the book of Job, you have to think that God's just mean. Like, why would he allow that to happen? Why would he allow? Because, you know, he, he Satan, where have you been? Oh, I've been roaming to and fro. You know, because unlike God, Satan can't be everywhere. And so he's trying to find a way to prove to God that he's more powerful. And God's like, well, have you have you looked at my servant Job? And Satan was convinced that he could he could switch Job's sides, right? To put it in and really, really mm-hmm. break it down at an elementary level. Like, I can pull Job on my side. Why, you know, just just let me do it. Just let me do it. And God's like, Well, don't kill him. Everything else is fair game. And then the joke was made. Okay. And I'm getting way off topic with this part, but I'm gonna no, I, I no, no, it, this this part with the joke is is, oh. is way out in left field, so you're welcome. But the joke was then made in our Sunday school class with, you know, God allowed Satan to take his livestock, his kids, cover him his, in boils. His wealth, everything his, he had. His wealth, all of his, like everything. Like, But he left his wife. How bad has that got to be that Satan's like, mm, nope, not touching that one. Like there's got to be something to that, anyway. But you know, that's, so so that's always it, it a all, bad joke. It is, it is, it is a horrible joke, but it's one that I will laugh at every time. Uh, but all that being said, um, sure, God will allow things to happen, right? We we have free will if you want to believe that, um, and a lot of the things that happen to us are because of our own choices. Uh, but then we have the things in our life that happen that aren't choice. They're by chance. Uh, and, and there's no expectation that life is going to be rosy and easy. But there is the expectation that God is going to be there with us. And if I'm going to go through trials, I would hope that my friends, like if I was going to go through something like what Job went through, I would hope that my friends would come alongside me, much like his friends did. I would also hope that my friends wouldn't handle it the same way that his friends handled it. But more importantly than my friends, like I have the expectation that no matter like with right now with what's going on with mom, uh, and a, you know, a few months ago, what happened with Papa, uh, and so on and so forth, like God is there with us. Amen. And when when you think that you can't carry anymore, when you're just like, God, this is too much. What am I doing? I'm just I'm broken in this moment and I can't walk any further. God's there to to pick you up. God's there to to walk through it with you. And I think one of my one Memo's favorite poem, since we I brought her up quite a bit, was the footsteps poem. Uh, yeah. when, you're, when you're walking along in the sand and there's two sets of footprints and then you look back and you're like, God, why is there only one set of footprints? Why did you leave me? And God's like, oh, I didn't I didn't leave you. That's when I carried you because you just couldn't go any further. That's right. And I think me. it's I, I think it's important <laughs> to remember that when you hit that, that, oh, I can't go any further. It's when you just Abba. I'm a father, daddy, you know, uh, and I hate when people say daddy, God, that's just, oh, 
Um, but you know, you just turn around and in the in, like like a child would to their father, like carry me. And there were numerous times when my kids were young and we'd be walking and they'd be done and they'd be like, Dad, carry me. And I didn't always want to, like I was tired too. But man, there's nothing like your kid asking you to carry them and you throw them up on your shoulders and you walk through the store because they can't do it. And if you're going to do that for your kids, how much more is God going to do for you? Absolutely. You know, and and, and you've made me think of uh, a couple of points referencing Job. Um, I think first, the the jokes about Job's wife and that that's been, I mean, we've all witnessed that in the pulpit for years, right. About Job's wife and and they just get on Job's wife and how she was, you know, nasty to him and, and all this. And I think I'm going to botch this, but I think it was John Calvin who called Job's wife in a commentary, the daughter of Satan. Um, And, and I'd argue that Job's wife is probably the most misunderstood woman in the Bible because do we forget Job's wife lost everything too? She lost her children. She lost her home. She lost whatever financial freedom that they had as a family. And now her husband's scraping his sores with broken pottery. So she's she's struggling through this all as well. And we never have any empathy for Job's wife. She's just this horrible, backbiting, non-supportive woman. Nah, nobody but, cares about the women. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. But the truth is, I think about in Job 38, right? And God speaks to Job, right? And he gets that, the where were you speech, right? Where were you when I established the earth? And, you know, who fixed its dimensions and all this? good stuff and i think about for each and every one of us right those times when you're in a deep trial and and it's struggling to keep the faith and you may have those job-esque moments where you ask these things of god why um even though we have no right to ask just like job job had no right to ask and you and i and every believer has no right to ask god why he's doing the things he does he kneels down and he answers us. Absolutely. And whether it's strong worded or not, he still kneel, even though we have no right to ask, he kneels down and answers us. And that is the beauty of that personal relationship with the Lord. Oh, absolutely. So for young Chad, who used Job, the book of Job as a as a sticky, as a an argumentative point, as that was my book of why. You know, basically, Job was just a spitting contest between God and, and the devil and and God. You know, it was my argument against God. Um, God used that book to humble me. And really, I feel although I, I have no right to ask, like I, I'm I'm no better than the scabs that Job scraped off his body with the shard of, with the shard of pottery. Absolutely. But my God kneels down and answers me. And maybe I don't know, shoot, maybe that's what I tell I tell young Andy. You're not as you're not as good as you think you are, but the Lord loves you. Yeah, what John the Baptizer say, um, he wasn't worthy 
to tie the to tie Jesus's sandals. Mm-hmm. And yet he prepared the way. So that's right. Well, Andy, it's been good. I know you got to wrap things up. I know you got to go. You got to. You have a real job. Yeah, <laughs> my lunch break's almost over. Yeah, you have a real job, unlike me. <laughs> uh, I miss so, the days of people asking what I did for a real job. <laughs> what's the What's the last word, brother? Well, I'll ask you this before the last word. What's been good? What What have you enjoyed lately? I know you football's wrapping up, but what's something that you've been What you've been enjoying? TV show, music, food, whatever it is. What What have you been enjoying? What's been good for you? I don't know, man. And so. So I, there's just, I think I've listened to music more in the last few months than I have in the last few years. Um, and when mm-hmm. I say listen, I mean, actually listen to the words. Um, and so I, I don't know, man, like I've fallen back in love with for King and country. Um, so I've been listening to them a lot um, music wise, but it just, what's been good. Uh, so when my oldest, well, when both kids signed up for football, they were like, Hey, do you want to coach? I was like, absolutely not. I didn't play football. I don't, I don't know how to coach football. Like I can coach baseball all day long, uh, but football is a different, different thing. So I said, no. And I sat through two practices. Um, and with my youngest, I, I, I stay in the truck, uh, out of fear that I'll get pulled in. Um, but with my oldest, you know, I sat with a group of parents and we we would sit and chat and that was fun. Uh, and then like three practices into it, um, they were like, hey, you big guy. Come here and help with the line. Like, I understand that I look like an offensive lineman, but I don't, in <laughs> fact, know how to coach it. Uh, but from like week three on, man, I I've been I've been a parent coach uh, on this team. And, and the season ended last night, like I said, and. Uh, thankfully my oldest made the all-star team. Um, and so that, that helped that blow of the season being over. Um, and it's his first year playing football. So that, that's a big, like prideful thing in my life right now, but the, the other 14 kids, so there are 15 kids on this team and the other 14 of them, um, almost all of them have become like, like sons to me, Right watching Turner get close with these kids and really like they, it wasn't a long season, but you know, they've sweat and bled and cried and puked. And when you do all that stuff with people, you you gain that instant closeness. And so watching them come from where they started to where they're at now, like it's, that's just been an, an Uber blessing in my life. That's really been able, um, so I've talked like my, my job weighs on me a lot um, with, with what I deal with. Uh, but being able to go and, and let all of work slip to the side and, and deal with these kids and teach them. And uh, it's, it's been just an, a complete blessing. And, and one of the, the highlights of my, my second stint back home. So that's, that's probably been what's, what's been the best over the last couple months. That's good stuff. 
So uh, what what you got for the last word there, buddy? I'm going to give you the last word today because I feel like I talked an awful lot I get the last word. Well, the last word, I'll I'll say this. If you want to connect with us, uh, you can email us at hillhipsterpod at gmail.com. Hit us up at the Gmail. You can check us up on Twitter. Check us out on Twitter at hillhipsterpod. Don't forget to to check out the Blacksmith Merchandise at St. Galgano Armory, and their website is stgalganoarmory.etsy.com. And check them out on social media at St. Galgano. Um, last word for me is this. I've, uh, you know, I, I have this, uh, <laughs> I have an idol in my life. It's the coffee machine that's in my kitchen that I've, dubbed as nebuchadnezzar's <laughs> idol and uh if, if you have the means to uh pick up one of these nespresso devices um i highly recommend it and i just recently got uh, a limited release they have it's this puerto rican cafecito espresso and that is uh what i've been enjoying for the last two days even though i you can hardly the, taste anything you're the bougiest coffee man i've ever seen in my life no i like good coffee but i will drink truck stop coffee i have no problem I'm just saying, if they want to sponsor us, we'll take them too. We'll take that George Clooney Nespresso money. And that's what it is, is I feel like I'm George Clooney on my veranda in Tuscany and I'm drinking coffee with Julia Roberts and all my famous friends. (laughs) Not looking out my window watching, you know, kids throw guns into the field or dogs defecating. (laughs) It gives me a little bit of hope. That I need to get rid of because my only hope is found in Jesus. That's right. Yeah, I reel yeah. it back. Way to um, way to yank that one out of the water real quick. <laughs> good night. We we had such a good episode, and then we're gonna end it on that. All, all right. <laughs> well, I'll just say this, and as we wrap up, go go get your kid a snack. Um, but just remember that the um, the Lord is with you, and He is for you. And stop with the deviled eggs. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to yell that. Be blessed. Later, guys. Where's the record button to stop it?